0: Today's reading uh, comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13. So I want to ask you to stand if you're able to reverence the reading of God's Word. During supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe and tied a towel around himself, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. After he had washed their feet, he put on his robe and had returned to the table. He said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set for you an example that you also should do as I have done. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning, church. I'm Andrea, I'm one of the pastors here. I wish we were together together, but I'm happy that we're kind of together via technology. Um, We are in the third week of a series called Tell Us, where we're going and how we get there. And we're taking the time to review our values as a church, values that we've been founded on, values that guide where we're going. Like most things, this series has been different than expected in large part because of COVID. That being said, I hope this series can be anchoring to us as we continue to navigate this very disorienting time. So I'll be honest. I feel fear over what's happening in our country, in the world, and I feel overwhelmed trying to understand how it's shaping the church, how it's shaping our church. And it seems to me then that remembering our most basic callings as a church might be more important than it's ever been. So we're focusing on three simple but significant callings here, callings we have both as individuals and as a church, to love God, to love one another, to love our neighbor. And these values are bound up in our name, Christ City Church. Christ, we're called to uplift Christ as the object of our faith. In Jesus's life and death, we know what it is to be loved by God and to love God back. City, we're called to our city. Faith is not lived in a vacuum, geography matters. As Justin preached two weeks ago at the beginning of this series, Our thriving is bound up in the thriving of the city that we're in. And church, we're called to one another to live as a community together, ordering our lives around Jesus. We're a community called to look for and proclaim the kingdom of God in all the places that we find it. We're called to be a community that steadfastly points towards the kingdom through our gathering, through our scattering, and through our collective action. Last week, we remembered our call to love God. Watson reminded us of the greatest commandment, to love God with all, to love God with everything. Next week, he'll conclude the series by exploring the second part of the commandment, loving our neighbor. Today then, we're looking at our calling to be church, what it means to love one another. We're gonna be looking at John 13, in which Jesus washes his disciples' feet, And then we're gonna specifically look also at a section in that chapter called a new commandment. So because I don't wanna read 35 verses straight, you're welcome, I'll be reading some shorter stretches but the verses will be marked on the screen as I read so you can follow along. We'll start in chapter 13 verse two which takes place during Jesus's last supper with his disciples. During supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. Verse 12. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for that's what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've set you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. And verse 34, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So I wanna point out that the commands to love one another and to love our neighbor are certainly interconnected, but they're also distinct. And I wanna name that maybe it feels weird or um, insular to talk about what it means to love one another specifically inside the church, but Jesus's command in this particular passage was specifically to the disciples. He's laying out how they're to treat one another, how they're to treat those who have with them committed to be and live and work together as they follow Jesus. And the gospel of John was written to an iteration of the early church that was experiencing hostility from the outside world. To love one another then for them meant understanding that they were a distinct group and that there was real life significance in their care for one another beyond comfortability, or even beyond camaraderie. I think community and care is one of Christ City's organic strengths. We're not perfect, but I've I found and heard that it's a common narrative in the experiences a lot of us have had at this church. I know a lot of us have experienced community care here as, as God's tangible presence through other people. I know healing happens here. I know solidarity happens here. I know love happens here. And I wanna say yes, yes, church. This has been a place of care. And let's rightfully recognize the way we continue to lean into this call to love one another in this church body. But also, I want to push further into that calling, into Jesus' command to love one another. And not because we're not doing a good enough job or to like pile something else on your already overflowing plates, but because this community and this command are gifts. In this time of COVID, particularly, this call to love one another has become one of our main missions as a body. And there's meaning and life here. And that's a gift, especially right now. I think there's always a risk in caring communities to become insular, to look inwardly so intently that we risk becoming myopic. But loving one another in the way of Jesus does not form us into like a self-help community. Should it be a safe place? Yes, but it's also a place of challenge. And we see here that Jesus' words and example is a charge not to just care for one another, but As a church, loving one another is the foundation of our discipleship and our witness to the world. Verse 34, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So how we love one another, how we uphold one another, how we care for, challenge, grow with one another, this Jesus says this is a defining mark of people who claim to follow him. And church, our our own growth, our discipleship is bound up in one another in this community. And it's bound up in how we love one another. We're not islands of faith. In the prayer we pray, pray each week together, we communally ask God to forgive us the things we owe as we too have forgiven what was owed to us. And these words are not like an even exchange of forgiveness, but a reminder that our growth, our understanding of our own relationship with God is bound up in our relationships to one another. And it's been really hard for me to remember this during COVID. I don't get to see anybody as part of my regular rhythms. I can feel myself just shrinking back, shrinking in, walling off. And then it seems like this command is more pertinent than ever, though. We're still growing, we're still becoming, we're still going somewhere during COVID, we're still being shaped. And loving one another right now is not just a commandment, but it's a mark of our own discipleship. God's kingdom, God's rule and reign, it's not just in our individual lives, but in our communal life together as a church. To be a church is not just to be a caring community, we're a community with mission, with purpose. We're not just a community of people with like similar beliefs or experiences. And in fact, I'd say a lot of the time we are a community of people in spite of beliefs and experiences. We've we've been drawn together by similarities sometimes by common healing, but what keeps us here is common mission. That's what enables us to do the hard parts of the community. It's why we stick around. It's why we commit to loving one another because we're working towards something greater and we're doing it together. We're committed to the inbreaking of God's kingdom in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in the world. We're committed to bearing witness to the kingdom with our lives. As a church, we're marked by how we love one another. And I was reading some commentaries on these verses this week, and was struck by this one quote particularly. Jesus could not be clearer. It's not by our theological correctness, not by our moral purity, not by our impressive knowledge that everyone will know that we are his disciples. It's quite simply by our loving acts, acts of service and sacrifice, acts that point to the love of God for the world made known in Jesus Christ. So what does it mean then to love one another as Jesus has loved? It's a big question. It encompasses much more than we have time for this morning, but I want to look at the first two sections of our scripture that narrate the washing of the disciples' feet by Jesus. Let's go back to our scripture. During supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have set you an example that you also should also do as I have done to you. This part comes before the commandment to love one another as Jesus loves. The washing of the disciples' feet is an example, it's a model of what it means to love one another. And I think that there are three things from Jesus' example here that point us towards the way to more fully live into this commandment as a church. So I'm gonna pose some questions for you to consider both just by yourself and hopefully with your small group this week as we walk through them. So so the first thing is in verses four and five, Jesus got up from the table, took took off his outer robe and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wipe, wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. I think one of the most significant things about Jesus washing the disciples' feet is his chosen posture. So at a dinner like this, Invited guests would be welcomed to the table and to the home. They'd be given the opportunity to wash their feet off. And guests usually wash their feet themselves or the task was assigned to the lower ranks of servants in the household. And it would be unheard of for someone of a higher social status, like the host or a rabbi, like Jesus was, to wash someone else's feet. But we see in verse 4 that Jesus gets up from the table, takes off his outer robe, and puts on a towel. So culturally, the outer robe Jesus would have been wearing, like most men at the time, signified certain aspects of identity. So I was reading this week about outer robes, and I want to read a little bit of the meaning here. In the Mosaic Law, God instructed his people regarding the corners or fringes of their outer garments. Jews were to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner as a reminder that they were God's people called to keep God's commandments. It seems like a strange instruction until we learn that in the ancient Near East, the corner of a person's garment, which was on their outer robe, represented his identity. It was a symbol of who he was, what he stood for. And that's why Ruth, when she was seeking marriage to Boaz, asked him to spread the corner of his garment over her. It was a request for him to identify with her. And the Jews in Jesus's day would have been familiar with this Old Testament background. Um, The Pharisees at the time wore elaborate tassels on the corners of their outer garments so that people would regard them as closely identified with God. And as a devout Jew, Jesus may also have worn tassels on his outer garment, though his would not have been elaborate showpieces like the Pharisees. So when people like the bleeding woman reached for the corners of Jesus' outer garment, it was in many cases more than a grab for the most accessible part of his person. It was a sign that they wanted to identify with him. I think that it's significant then, we missed this piece, maybe, I have. It's significant that Jesus takes off his outer garment the one that held his status, his privilege, his standing, and then replaces it with a towel, which also held a status, that of a lower-ranked household servant. And this act, I think, precedes the one like it that's going to come later, which is Jesus laying down his status in order to die on a cross for love of another. To love one another as Jesus did, it, it means we must take off our outer garments, our privilege, our status markers, our our own social standing, anything standing in the way of our ability to serve another, to be vulnerable without those, and to intentionally put on that which makes us fit for service, all for the love of another. So the first question for us to consider then, in order to love one another as Jesus had, what do we need to take off and what do we need to put on? So we first follow the example of Jesus by taking off our outer garments. And then secondly, we wash some feet. One of the things I love about this example is is how mundane foot washing would have been in this time. Like you would wear sandals all the time on dirt roads, you'd walk through animal waste, you would be sweating, and you'd do that all day every day if you were gonna go somewhere. So the washing of feet was not just like a one time deal ever. Feet would almost immediately get dirty again and again. It was continual. And washing feet would have been a necessary task daily or or more often. And I don't need to tell you, church, that we have some dirty feet. Our daily lives, just like the grind of regular life on top of hardship, circumstances out of our control, other people's muck that we have to walk through, the work we're called to, we get our feet dirty there too. COVID has made it so we don't see each other's dirty feet as often but that doesn't mean that they're not dirty. Loving one another as Jesus loved is to wash each other's feet today, tomorrow, anytime they're dirty, which is all the time. It's to be together in the dirt to wash your feet even when mine are still dirty and it's to allow you to wash mine too. I want you to consider this this week. How have your feet been washed by someone else and how can you wash someone else's feet? And I know this is hard because we're not able to be together, but it doesn't change our calling. What does it mean to wash one another's feet? And what will it take to allow others to wash your feet? To love one another is to take off our outer garments, the things that prohibit us from serving one another, to do the mundane daily work of washing each other's feet. And lastly, it's to point one another towards the kingdom. Jesus washes the disciples' feet and gives this commandment in the anticipation of his death and his return to God. He knows that the disciples are going to be disoriented and confused when it all happens, and he's he's given them some foundations to steady their gaze. Everything Jesus did, including his dying, was to communicate and express God's love. To love one another then, as Jesus did, is to point to that love, to remind each other the love of God, the hope of God, of the kingdom, and of the character of the the one who rules it. To love one another is to remind each other that the world does not dictate our value or our standing, but that we are defined by a God who laid all of that down for love of another. So I was reading this week very randomly about a social phenomenon called gaze following or gaze queuing this week. So gaze cueing is defined as the way in which we pay particular attention to the gaze and line of sight of others when looking at a face, focusing in on this element and often finding our own gaze drawn by someone else's. So it's like when you've ever been in a crowd or you're walking by and everybody's like looking at something, when that happens, When the majority of people around us are looking in a direction, we look that way too because we want to see what others are looking at. The psychology of it is pretty interesting. I'm sure I'll take a deep dive into Wikipedia about it at some point this week. Um, But our own gaze can be drawn by somebody else's. In church, we turn our gaze as a community together. To love one another is to, in community, point one another towards the kingdom There are times I can't see it and I need to find the face of others to remember which way to look. And there are times when you can't see it and I'll be there to see it for you, to point it out. To love one another is to point one another towards hope, towards growth, towards Jesus. And the question then here for us to consider is where are we looking? Where are we looking? I realize that this message can come across as just another thing to do, another way we are not measuring up, But that's not what I want you to hear. Hear this, church. Loving one another as Jesus loved us is a part of our calling, our mission. And I know that we're struggling to just like be right now. It seems like so much effort to just ask somebody else how they are. But that's where I want you to be encouraged and challenged this morning. Loving one another is mission the text they matter the prayers matter the conversations matter the meals matter the tears we cry together they matter this is kingdom work and we're not going to do this perfectly by any means but don't give up church i i know we're not together the way we want to be but lean in the church is a gift our calling is a gift it's not heroic it's not remarkable frankly it's quite hard but i want you to remember church that In the upside-down kingdom of God, to look down to wash somebody's feet is also to look upward, point towards the kingdom. And that's love, and that's loving one another. Let's pray together. God, I ask for your spirit to be present. I ask for your spirit to to unify us, to comfort us, to be with us, particularly in this time that we can't be together. I ask God that there would be a stirring in us, not of guilt or of heaviness, um, but that it would be a stirring of empowerment of movement, that we would be drawn to one another um, in obedience to you. And also, God, just um, out of our love for one another, we pray and ask, God, that this time of separation ends. We pray for an end to COVID. We pray for the means to be able to meet together. And in the meantime, God, we, we pray for our sustenance. We pray for I don't know, creative ways. Would you show us, God, would you make it clear to us how you are asking us to love one another in this time, how that is bound up in our calling to be a church that points out and proclaims your kingdom? Would you guide our church in this time? Would you be the one that's shaping us? I pray against um, the heavy weights of despair and of... Um, disappointment, of depression. I pray against those things. I pray against the ways that they can so easily shape us as individuals and as a community. And I pray, Lord, in this time of uncertainty that we would continue to be shaped more into the image of your son. We lift up our, our inability to do this to you in trust and in hope and in expectation. Amen.